Hello, this is Tom Pastello, the ROI guy, and welcome to the Evolvers podcast, sponsored by sales enablement platform provider, Mediafly. Our mission, to provide you with the independent insights, community advice, and tools to guide your sales enablement journey and fuel your professional evolution. My guests today are two key members from the Key Account Management Forum. That's a research group from the Cranfield School of Management, and that's one of the oldest business schools in Europe, ranked a healthy seventh in the UK and 44th in Europe. Today, we welcome Dr. Javier Marcos, and he's an Associate Professor of Strategic Sales Management and Negotiation, Strategic Marketing and Sales at Cranfield's School of Management. He was previously the Director of Custom Programs, Executive Education, and Senior Faculty at the University of Cambridge, Judge Business School. And prior to his career in academia, he worked for Unilever with management positions in Spain and the UK. And we also are welcoming today, it's a twofer, uh, Mark Davies. He's a visiting fellow at Cranfield School of Management with a career in product, which is my background, sales and account management leadership in pharma and medical devices, including stints at RP Shears, Zytus, the pharmaceutical division, Burma Castrol, and BP. Evolvers, please welcome Dr. Javier Marcos and... Mark Davies. Welcome, guys. Hello, Tom. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, let's dive right in. When the crisis first hit, many companies realized that their best strategy, it wasn't going to be to pursue new customers in this tough environment. It was to circle the wagons, focusing on existing customers and key accounts. Um, I assume, Mark, since you're in key account management, that this was a good strategy? Yeah, we're going to say it's a good strategy. We're, we're, uh, we're, we love key account management, and we think it's a great business model. But uh, it's absolutely, uh, it's right. It's a good observation with a, with a few caveats, I think. Um, what we've observed is uh, some of our organizations that we work with, you know, their customers were either really challenged and needed the support, um, and uh, if it's a true, if you've anointed a customer as being strategic or key, you're looking at them over the long term. Hopefully this is a uh, short-term blip and you should really be supporting and working closely with your, your key accounts. You should be working with them and thinking, well, you know, what's happening with their customers, their competitors, et cetera. So there's that aspect. And uh, if, if they're having challenging times, you should should support them. We also saw some of our companies we work with, actually things got incredibly rosy and, and healthy. Where one company, they were providing packaging to the food industry that was going to retail. And because of people panicking with buying uh, more goods, they, you know, their sales of their retail went out through the roof. And uh, the problem they were having, we were dealing with a couple of uh, buyers in these companies, the problem that we're getting is the whole supply chain into their business was disrupted. They had no consistent supply of materials. So <clears throat> that's something you have to look at. I think key account management helps you with the right principles, helps you to elevate upwards. It's not just about immediate sales from one customer. It's thinking about the customer's customer and the suppliers into that market. So we think the principles we have and that we, we encourage our, our key account teams to use helps it for good or bad. 
I think there's another caveat as well, which is more of a leadership issue, whereby you want to think very carefully about, you know, in your segmentation plan, you want to think about sort of stress testing, testing some of those customers. You don't want to be overly exposed if a customer is potentially financially challenged. That's not saying that you shouldn't support them, but you should really keep an eye on what's going on because... You know, you can be exposed if you're not careful financially if a company is getting into some problems. So it's it's right. You should apply the models, but uh, have some caveats depending on what's happening with each customer. And I would argue, Tom, that uh, in addition to what Mark discussed, is that one of the things we have witnessed is that in times of difficulty and uncertainty like the ones we are living today, it is very tempting to focus on the short term, just try to get as much as you possibly can or, or, or resist you know, the current situation. But you have to look you know, into the short, in addition to the short, you have to look into the medium and long term. Mm-hmm. And that's what key account management is about. Therefore, uh, your key customers, your strategic accounts, you know, will expect that you re-engage in a new dialogue you know, to jointly find ways of you know, navigating through the crisis. So absolutely focusing on key accounts is the right thing to do. But also simultaneously, and echoing what Mark has said, there are unique opportunities that have opened in sectors like you know, food, pharma, technology, you know, sports equipment, and so on. And therefore, you should also look for finding new relationships that can you know, make your business more reliable, more sustainable, and more resilient you know, over you know, the crisis. And I think that's the important thing, right, is if you've got those good key account relationships, and that's generating recurring revenue for you and your business, and you've got great relationships and a good key account management process, times like these could be less risky. Um, some metrics that I've come across before, just want to get your input on them, three to four times less. It's three to four times less expensive to acquire revenue from an existing account than it is from a new account. And 60 to 70%, that's the probability of selling to a new prospect. That's only five to 20%, but selling to an existing customer that's 60 to 70%. Do you agree? Do you have similar research or numbers that you all like to point to in terms of how important key accounts are as opposed to just, you know, sometimes we've got this passion for growth and that certainly was the case before pre-crisis, right? It was almost like um, you took your key accounts for granted in a lot of ways. And now that's swung full circle back to key accounts are the basis of our business and forget the new accounts because they're going to be tough to acquire during this time. Let's circle the wagons on the existing accounts. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I'd agree with your, your, your data, your, your, your numbers. I think what happens a lot, and I, you know, I was guilty of this as well when I was running key accounts in, uh, actually in, in BP. You can sometimes, you can win a piece of business with a key account and, and spend a long time winning that business. I mean, I've, I've, I've spent years winning a piece of business mm-hmm. and, uh, and you get the business and it's great and it's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's healthy and it's profitable. But I often look back and thought, once you start, you, can, you should keep going, actually. And once you build a relationship, if you're delivering the, if you're delivering the promises in your value proposition correctly, you should gain more trust with the customer. Because, you know, this is quite sophisticated stuff, but it always boils down to trust and relationship. And do they trust you enough to share more information? So if you've got those deep insights about an account, you should be able to build stronger value propositions. You should be able to respond 
more more effectively. So there's there is always you know never mind just in a, in recessions. I think there's always a chance to build stronger relationships, keep keep delivering promise, building more trust, expanding out your uh, relationships across the uh, customer DMU, mm-hmm. and then you can you can grow the business. So I think all the time there's always an opportunity, and it's it's once you get the ball rolling, that trust expansion is is uh, is is vital. Yeah, unfortunately, I've seen that same thing where you've got so much attention spent on acquiring that new account, you're calling them every week, at least. And then all of a sudden, that business is one, it's implemented. And then all of a sudden, you migrate to quarterly business reviews, or worse, semi annual, or maybe annual just before the renewal, right? Um, So there needs to be a discipline in place and a strategy so that you're almost maintaining that same level of energy and eagerness of doing business. And I think that's hard to do. So you spoke about some in crisis. I think we've got a bifurcation a lot of times of the opportunities. There's a lot of executives at key accounts that we're dealing with that are facing budget lockdowns, cutbacks. Uh, There's a lot of pressure to consolidate vendors. And I think there's a lot of vendors that are going to fall into it. Um, how do you make sure you don't end up in the discount bin, right? Or the chopping block worse? Yeah. So I think this is always a, <laughs> this is always a problem, you know, but, but again, the, uh, the heat's turned up when, when there's a recession. And I think what happens is you get power shifting to the, to the, to procurement mm-hmm. um, because companies are, Either they're in a in, in a in a position where they've got to do something to keep their own bottom line healthy, um, and a quick win for them is to, you know, take ten percent out of your cost cost base. Absolutely, so it's an easy way, right? It's an easy way. So procurement get a lot of power mm-hmm. very quickly. Uh, you know, I've seen that since the last recession. Procurements, it's like a ratchet. They get a bit more power and a bit more. Power. It never goes away mm-hmm. once they get it and keep it. So I think that that's that's always there, and it's it's. Uh, I think with our members with the CAM forum, it's something that they're always asking about. Is you know how do I how do I push back on increasingly aggressive price focused buyers? So I, I think the response is you know stick to the principles. You know the principles that we talk about, which the members we work with that do a you know do a good job with this, is they they focus on on a value-based approach. And there are, you can either just, just collapse and drop your price. I think that's actually a finite solution. You know, it's not, that may not be the biggest reward for the customer. You should really explore well, what's going on with them. You know, what, what, what do they value? What do they need right now? And we talk about these four, five sources of value, you know, help them grow their top line. So help them think about their customer, help them to take out costs, the bottom line, which is, is not you dropping your price, it's saying, hey, look, we understand you've got uh, maybe recruitment costs or whatever it is, what sort of challenges they've got, but step into their business and help them there. There's a kind of compliance, uh, HSSEQ issues. Mm-hmm. You know, they've all got to maintain their um, standards, so help them with that. There's a fourth area is um, really helping them with management systems uh, and with their own strategies. They've got to change their strategy probably because of, what the recession's causing them to yep. do. And then the fifth source is the customer's customer. Think about the consumer. We've all changed. Ultimately, value stops with us as buyers. 
So if you can help the customer to understand that, then you're in a, in a stronger position. You're always to keep the conversation around value. I think if you if you don't, if you get on the back foot with price and uh, and transactions, it's a really slippery slope. So tough, but you have to fight on on value. So stick to the knitting, really. Stick to your guns. If you if you want to be a value based business, do it. Do it now, uh, and uh, it, it's it's tough. You've got to be brave. Uh, it's a different business model, but as we as we talked answering your previous questions, you know, there's opportunities coming out of this as well. Absolutely. Um, and I think linked into that is you've got to get the rest of your organisation supporting you because it's it's tough on your own. It's not easy being a key account manager. Let's face it, or yeah. sales or environment. It's a tough old game, but get get look at all your resources that are available and uh, and and stick to your guns and and keep those discussions going I, I see a lot of key account managers starting off very defensively because they have not been proactive um, mm-hmm. so what happens is procurement says oh we're consolidating vendors you guys didn't make the cut and it's almost like there's an end of discussion at that point. It's really hard to get back in or the opposite of just, hey, we're going to all our vendors and you're going to give us a 20% you know, discount. That, that's just, yep. they haven't done a good job of meeting regularly and making sure, and now there's new folks involved, right? There's going to be procurement that might not have been involved in the relationship before. Mm-hmm. The C- COO and the CF know, as I like to call them nowadays, <laughs> COVID, COVID committee, right? That's reviewing a lot of these cross-functional um, decisions. But, you know, reminding them what strategic programs you're aligned with, I think are key. Because yeah. you're going to cut things that are not strategic in order to save costs. But if it's strategic, sometimes it can be saved. And then if it is on the chopping block, you know, what's the cost of regression? Because when they take this out, are they going to regress? And is there going to be a cost of that regression? And can you quantify it? And if that cost is more than what you're going to be charging them, well, then they shouldn't be taking it out, you know, it's if they're thinking logically. Mm-hmm. And then the other is the value of what's deli- been delivered. Yeah. Uh, company and delivered in the near term because companies have short term horizons you know what have you done for me lately kind of thing but i see very few key account managers having those kind of discussions usually their triage discussions their um, adoption discussions their their use and order discussions very transactional yeah. and i think that you know if you're going to be value focused you have to start putting in place every key account you should they, every member within that key account should be communicating and quantifying the strategic alignment, the cost of regression, and the value delivered as yeah. just table stakes of, we don't expect you to renew unless we give you these things, but we've given you these things and now we expect you to renew. And I think that then it puts the vendor, um, I'm sorry, the customer instead of the vendor on the defensive, where it's now they've got to say, okay, well, this cost of regression isn't right, or the value delivered isn't right. Well, those are the good discussions to have. But then I think you you hit on another one. So you've got the strategic alignment, the cost of regression, the value delivered. But then there's this other element, Mark, that you mentioned, and maybe Javier, you can comment on this, these five levers of not only what we've done for you, but what we are planning to do for you, which I think is equally important. So talk about that a little bit, Javier. I, I think you're right. And 
there are three things that become crucial in situations like the one we are experiencing now and uh, become uh, almost like a competence that takes or should take precedent. The first one is about the competence of being able to creatively help the customer address difficult and wicked problems. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I would argue that you know, the rounded perspective that a key account can bring to their customers is, is therefore a vital element that should play a role in deciding whether to consolidate or not a particular vendor. The second one is about the ability to service needs and opportunities. So if you have an in-depth understanding of your customer's business and you've got solutions or you are part of a network that can bring together a solution that will help the customer, then that's again, you know, adding value therefore you know, should you know, play to your advantage. And the third one is about bringing new efficiencies. And you touch on that, Tom. I think that crucial in these times and to avoid being put on the um, discount bean, as you call it, is to move away from price to total cost of ownership, to, mm -hmm. to engage in a full evaluation of, the, of, of how the company, your customer, is uh, creating value and ensure that that value creation a process is enhanced and, and made more relevant. So that's what this uh, situation is about, is about re resisting you know, the short-term, uh, easy to make uh, decision of cutting uh, price or, or even cutting vendors and engaging in creative problem solving and surfacing new needs and bringing about efficiencies across you know, your entire value chain. Yeah, and I, I think you can't, it can't be just about proving what you've done for them lately. It has to be about how you're going to help them and reimagine the business going forward. And Mark, I'll, I'll turn this one back over to you. You spoke earlier about you know, a company that um, you were addressing that had a supply chain risk and the supplier was able to help them to overcome that. Or there's some kind of market risk and you're able to help the company recognize that the market has changed and here's a new way to reimagine that market. Mm -hmm. Out of this crisis, there are incredible opportunities for you as a key account manager, not just to be on the defensive, but be on the offensive and to show some great creativity and help and reimagination of the business and the relationship to not just protect it, but in my mind, grow it. That's correct. And I think the other thing is your, it gives you, a, if you can come up with those um, responses, it gives you a, a good reason to have a conversation with somebody else in the customer's business. Mm -hmm. um, there was a, not in this recession, the previous recession, there was a good story where um, it was a company that made, uh, they, they were a berry manufacturer. They were they great products and they did this solution for, service package they go into certain industries and they could walk around a facility and they knew that industry inside out and what one industry they did a lot of work with was um was plasterboard you know gypsum plasterboard mm -hmm. uh and their normal model is they go into this site these sites and they do an audit she's true to my heart it was they were kind of one of my competitors when i was in uh, in industry <laughs> Uh, and you know, and, and a tough competitor actually, but they could do an audit with a lot of detail. They knew this process very well, mm -hmm. and they could do an, they, they could evaluate it, and they could 
put a report to the engineering directors, operational people, and say, look, we can make your we can make your facility run 10% more effectively. We can reduce downtime. We can we can improve your output. Great stuff. So they did. The, they were doing this usual thing to these plasterboard uh, manufacturers, but they they were saying this is all very interesting. But you know, guess we're in a recession. There's no housing. Our our customer. There's no market. Why would yeah. I want to make more product? You know, I've got I've got enough problems as it is. As it is. So they stood back and thought, well, okay, um, we can't change what we do, but we can we can change the impact. So they went back and they spoke to actually to the CEO and the general managers of this site and the marketing group and said, look, we know you've got an issue, but we know you've got four or five sites. What if we made three of those sites work really efficiently and we help you to mothball a couple of sites for 18 months until the market picks back up again? Mm-hmm. And then we'll help you lift those sites back up again because it's, you know, it's complex. Complex, they're complex systems, but we've got the capability. Our core capability is will enable that, mm-hmm. and that was really well received by the customer. I'm not sure they actually implemented it, but the fact is, the customer said actually that could get us through a very difficult, challenging time. So they looked back at what their core capability was. They didn't really change that, but the 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 message to different people was. We'll do it in certain areas and other areas you can you can turn equipment off i think that's that's where you get innovative i like this expression different conversations different people different things and you probably have to talk to other people in the customer's business during these challenging times to really figure out what's important to you mm-hmm. we've got uh you mentioned sporting goods earlier and we've got a great customer in that space and one of the big things that they're key account managers are doing is really getting a hold of customer insight data mm-hmm. and making sure that they're providing that on a much more uh, urgent pace to the accounts that they're managing because behaviors are changing very quickly and they're coming up with new programs. So one of the things they do in sporting goods, which you have to do a lot is trials, right? You've got demos that you've got to give. And if people can't come into the store, how do you do demos? So they're doing, you know, drop ship demo programs as one example, where the manufacturer or the, the vendor is actually providing drop ship capability for the field stores to um, drop ship the demos. Uh, but the store doesn't have to be involved in that. They're just working with the supplier to do the program. Uh, we've got another one that's doing uh, remote samples in a very similar way where they know they can't get the samples in a meeting room where they would normally meet face-to-face and pass around the samples. So instead they've got um, a virtual um, tasting or smelling program that they're doing. And um, you know, so they're reinventing their business to help the customer and to overcome some of the challenges of being remote as well as making sure they're providing, like you said, diagnostic assessments at a time where it's critical that you, your customer is aware of issues that they maybe they should be aware of, but aren't. Um, the other one that I love is just kind of insight driven presentations that can help them, the customer to reimagine their business or think about things a different way with a different point of view. We really need to think of ourselves as business consultants, as key account managers, especially in this time. I think there's a great opportunity to do that as opposed to just let me manage your orders. Let me manage issues that you're having right now. It's got to be elevated to a whole different level. So 
my friend Mary Shea from Forrester, I just got an opportunity to speak with her at our Evolvers 2020 conference just a couple of weeks ago. And I've touted this figure a lot, but I always want to get people's opinion about it. She says that 80% of selling will now be digital, meaning kind of e-commerce online, don't even need a seller, right? And if you do need a seller, it's going to be remote. And she thinks that this is not just through the crisis, but we're not going back. We're at a sales singularity at this point. You know, many key account managers, what's the one thing that they're really good at is usually you elevate to this role because you were an incredible relationship person. A lot of it was meeting in person with the account. So what the heck is going to happen to the key account manager? Um, hybrid meetings, remote meetings are going to be the norm going forward. So I guess the first question is, what do you think about the prediction? Do you think it's accurate? And then what do you think is the future of the key account manager? Well, I, I, so think I, the, I start the ball rolling, have you? I'll, I'll, yeah, okay. Go ahead, Mark. Yep. So I think 80%, uh, I think in certain industries, I think it's spot on. I wouldn't be surprised in some industries, some companies, it could go to 100%. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, not, it's not going to stop. I don't think it's a bad thing is my cutting to the chase. I think if the customer knows what they want and if the customer can go to the market and make their choice that way, then you can't fight that. I also think for key account managers though, and again, these are your, you know, that small portfolio of really big, you know, your top 10 to 30 customers. Mm -hmm. Maybe your top two to three customers, you know, they're really big, really important. That's still going to happen. You're going to, have, you're going to provide a portfolio of products. It's still going to happen. It doesn't matter how you label them. They'll just buy whatever they want. I believe um, that uh, you know, Mary's prediction is certainly going to be accurate. So, Hajo Rapp of Siemens, a few years ago now, was saying, uh, he was reflecting back and he was saying, Don't, just because you think you're value-based and you think your customer's looking at you as a value-based supplier, don't make the assumption everything in your portfolio supply and is adding value. I think he said 80%. 80% of what you sell is probably a transactional thing that they can buy and choose and swap. Mm -hmm. It's the relationship that's the strategic piece. Mm -hmm. That's how you need to look at that. And so for key account managers, that's what they want to be holding on to is the strategic relationship. And um, that's where you add value, not, not just relying on your products. I agree. I think it's the insights on trends. I think it's the business planning, um, you know, those customer behavioral changes that we spoke about that the sporting yep. companies made, maybe having some new offerings and products that are cutting edge. And that's really where you're going to spend your time. Like you said, some of the other uh, elements are transactional. Um, Javier, what did you think of Mary's um, prognostication? I, I think, you know, her uh, forecast is, you know, for good or bad, you know, it's likely to, to, to happen in sectors where the buyer knows the same or more about your solution that you do. And if that solution is simple, if it is a discrete product or a discrete service, it is very likely that the interactions will dramatically move towards the digital space. I also think that some forms of selling and promotion, you know, will will be fully revisited and completely you know, redefined. For instance, trade shows where you, know, you come to an event, you, know, you spend your you know, money you know, hiring you know, square meters uh, to show your products and to have conversations that may or may not lead to a qualified uh, lead. Those are likely to go. 
But what I'm hearing and seeing is that in a number of industries where there is a fundamental interaction between the buyer or the customer and the vendor or the seller, where in those interactions, these new opportunities where we were discussing before are framed and discussed, those will remain and there will be an important role for, for those face-to-face meetings to actually happen. I think that what this crisis has brought is an accelerated polarization between what we typically call transactional and consultative sales. Mm-hmm. So Mary's, you know, I think is going to be the case in a number of sectors and in a number of industries. But equally, there will be others where the, you know, the face-to-face interaction will remain and will be necessary to, you know, to engage both parties in the value creation process. Yeah, I think it is accelerating a lot of trends that were already in place, that these transactional engagements were moving online, moving digital. Um, So I think that's a good thing. And I think it'll elevate uh, the key account manager capabilities. They'll have to be elevated. And it'll uh, elevate the expectation of good uh, key account managers. I think those that can distinguish themselves as helpers, as reimaginers, um, Imagineers as kind of consultants, I think it's good. And to me, it's, you spoke about value. It's the good key account manager to me is one who can prove value delivered and then deliver value in the future. So value delivered and value delivery, I think are two key traits. Um, you know, in times of tra- uh, change like this, you really need to evolve more quickly. What are you recommending? So through the CAM forum, what are you recommending for a changing environment like this? What are, what are the top things that key account managers and leaders of key account managers should be doing right now? So again, I think there's, there's, um, there's a, a, an acceleration because of, the, this is what recessions do. There's an acceleration of underlying emerging trends Mm-hmm. And I, I think before before COVID, there was a mainly because of the digitization and because of uh, you know your reflection earlier that was putting more pressure on suppliers to really think about adding value. So I, I think if you're not if you haven't had a robust key account management model in the past and kind of thought about I don't care what you call it really but it's that it's that basis of actually my direct selling is probably going to be something that's going to be a key account management type of framework, strategic key, whatever. Um, That means you've got to really step up to the mark and do something different. (laughs) It is a different business model. So I think leadership has to recognize that and not be, not be afraid. I think in the past key account management was a, Oh, oh my God, we've got more and more exposure through fewer customers and we have to do something. And the phrase key account management suggests it's something you're going to, to do to the customer. But in reality, it's not about that. It's about, it's about understanding that there's a lot of complexity there with these bigger, more powerful customers. A lot of your, a lot of your potential sits with these organizations and you have to work in a very different way. You're going to need you're going to need stronger talent. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to you're going to need a, a, probably a supporting team. Um, you're going to need 
um, different systems and different investment. So we're, we're seeing trends occurring like account-based marketing coming out. There's ITSMA from the IT industry where you've got big, you know, naturally you've got big customers, mm -hmm. but they're already putting more and more resource to sit behind the key account manager uh, from marketing to accepting that you need innovation. You know, and it's not it, one, one key account manager is not enough. So I think that's the response. It's a leadership challenge, but it shouldn't be feared. It should be, we're going to be adopting this value-based approach. Key account management gives us a massive competitive advantage and, and we'll, we'll inform our strategy of our, you know, the, at the very highest level around what's going on with those key accounts. So all those principles are sort of there, but this is really saying, you know, you either go for it now and, and stick to your guns and focus on value, or you collapse and you you scrabble around fighting on price. I strongly suggest you do the former. Exactly. Fighting on price is a, is a you know there's only usually only one winner. Yeah, exactly. Um, Javier, I think that key account plans you know, need to be revisited to fundamentally reevaluate uh, your customer relationships and ensure that you are focusing your energy and your investments in those customers that are strategic, and as I alluded to before, both in the short and in the medium term. Secondly, you have, by definition, to reevaluate the offerings and how relevant these different components of the of your offer are. And you also have to reevaluate your internal processes. Uh, for instance, uh, the forecast, you know, uh, sales quotas you know, need to be adjusted to the new situation. Potentially also you know, uh, compensation and incentives. Those are things that need to change. You've got to be in sync with the current reality and ensure that you are capturing the implications of the new situation, the new market conditions in the way you define, in the way you craft your key account plans. I agree. Uh, Mark, one of the things that you said is uh, struck a nerve where it was, you know, the key account managers of the past were very relationship focused. And in my mind, we're almost there to help the organization avoid risk of too many eggs in one basket. And I view this as COVID-19 is the accelerant to change that completely. And now it's not risk avoidance as the CAMS major objective, it's opportunity catalyst. And I think that that's a real big key. And, and I think in some ways, who we've hired before, who we've put into key account management roles might have to change, right? To me, they almost need to be entrepreneurial as opposed to relationship oriented perhaps in the future. Um, any insights? Yeah, I think, so I was, I was reflecting back on one, one of your earlier questions. I think you have, like you have different CEOs or general managers for different circumstances. Mm -hmm. uh, you probably need different types of key account managers. If you got, I mean, a key account could be, by necessity, might be just high volume, very tight margins. You just need the volume to make your own manufacturing sites run. And you probably need a pretty tough, focused operational uh, key account manager. But there are other situa situations, well, probably when there's, a, you know, you haven't got much of the business and you're looking for growth and uh, you're looking to develop that new killer value proposition. We need more of an entrepreneurial, innovative, collegiative type of individual. So it's, it's case by case. I call it strategy, customer by customer. Mm -hmm. uh, but but, I, but I, I do generally think you need key account managers that are, uh, able to make things happen, spot opportunities, 
the innovative piece is important. Coming up with constantly coming up with strong value propositions. You know, the customer doesn't buy key account management. The customer buys the value proposition. Mm-hmm. And, and guess what? That's changing every six to twelve months. You know, yeah. the days of the days of buying a brand that uh, carried you for the next five to ten years have, have gone. Really, um, you need to be constantly evolving. To use your uh, to use your word. We need to use that one there, that expression, uh, Javier. I think we'll steal that, but that's <laughs> evolution is is just Barred Darwin, Darwin anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, is uh, it's it's uh, it's the biggest challenge, and I think we see when organisations sit back on their laurels and let the product and the brand do the work, then they've missed the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Especially with, key, with big key accounts, it's completely uh, agree. Javier, it's more dynamic than that. It's far more dynamic. Yeah, I I agree that um, you know the, the role of the key account manager you know has uh, evolved and has now uh, become one that that bridges you know the current situation with with the future is one that encompasses both uh, proactive as well as reactive responses, and is one that helps the customer make the right uh, tactical and the right strategic decisions. Yeah, so I think the correction to what I said would be, yes, you have to be good at relationship and risk avoidance, and now be an opportunity catalyst. It could be an operational opportunity catalyst to eke out costs or mitigate supply chain miss, or it could be an opportunity catalyst to take advantage of new customer insights and new market opportunities within the account. So I think now it's, an even more challenging roles. So you need a, an even broader skill set, I think, to be successful at it. And we now have more that we need to teach and empower the uh, key account managers with as enablers and best practice uh, thought leaders, right? So thinking through, what's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our evolvers with today? And uh, Mark, I'll start with you. So, you know, I've, I've covered this already, but I think the advice is, you know, embrace, embrace the shift that's occurring and uh, accept that uh, there is a shift towards the key account management model. Uh, and I think there's a, there's a part of that which is circulating around sticking to the value-based approach. Um, and I think key account managers have to be the value ambassadors in your own organization. They have to preach this in your own organization first and then with the customer. So, you know, I, I don't think we're changing our principles that we talk about. They're robust principles. I know, I know that we, we will not use different words, but we're on the same sheet as, as you are, Tom, stuff you've written about. I don't think you change that, you stick to that. If anything, you become even more determined. So build your business around that, stitch your knitting. I love uh, key account managers being the value ambassador as the as the one piece of advice. I think that's really poignant. Javier? I often think if, if they don't do it, who is? Yeah, exactly. In yeah. Their, in, who, you know, it's time for key account managers to step up. It's, uh, it's our time, guys. <laughs> yeah. Javier, what are your thoughts? So- I, I would um, advise you know, to embrace the complexity we are experiencing these days uh, by responding flexibly, adopting at least four approaches. You know, one is 
uh, and helping their customers adopt uh, uh, these four approaches. You know, first the resist, which is about ensuring that you accommodate, you know, quick, uh, reactive, uh, and operational decisions to mm -hmm. to the current situation. At, for instance, like restaurants have done, they cannot open, you know, in the same way that they've done, but they have converted their uh, sales space into into places where people can buy the basic basket. Then the second one, you know, following in the resist is um, uh, refrain. So think about uh, automotive manufacturers converting some of the uh, ventilators they would otherwise use for cars, you know, for clinical use. Mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the third one is about reinventing. If, if you look at what the universities and education sector have done, is they've reinvented the way they deliver education in mm -hmm. a fundamental way. And the final one is renewing such, for instance, some hospitals and healthcare providers, you know, trying to address both the, the, the normal patients as well as COVID patients. They have started doing um, uh, online and telephone co uh, consultations, you know, being very effective. I think that's the key is to, to be able to almost like um, becoming ambidextrous mm -hmm. by helping organizations resist, refrain, reinvent and renew in uh, mutually reinforcing ways simultaneously. I think that would be, uh, I know it's a difficult one to ask, but it would be my, my advice for evolvers. And that's, you know, I thought I would like to leave them today. <laughs> Absolutely, Javier, thank you. Uh, resist, reframe, reinvent, renew. The one piece of advice for the evolvers today. Javier and Mark, thank you so much. The CAM Forum uh, is the, uh, place to go to learn everything about key account management. Uh, the pair uh, for um, uh, the pair that we've had today have put together just a great resource of articles, research, and uh, check it out. Key Account Management Forum, a great resource for additional knowledge, thoughts, insights, and advice on everything CAM. Thank you both so much for joining us and participating to make the Evolvers the great and growing community that it is today. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Javier. It's been a pleasure talking to you and your community. Absolutely. Until next time, Evolvers keep evolving. <laughs>